Hey, Taste Buds, today's House of Carbs brought to us by TheRinger.com. Coming up, the big game in the NFL is right around the corner, but The Ringer content continues. The Ringer NFL content never sleeps. The draft guide is well underway. The draft will be here just as the flowers start blooming. It is NFLDraft.TheRinger.com. That's NFLDraft.TheRinger.com. Taste buds, my culinary comrades. We've done it. We are back 2020 style. It is House of Carbs, a food podcast for the hungry people by the hungry people on the Rigger Podcast Network. I am your hungry host, Joe House. My friends, it is time. We have made it through the holidays. We have deliberately set aside this great moment to kick off 2020. Food News is back with the OG Juliet Littman. We are doing it real HOC style. Juliet, what's happening? Hey, man. How are you? I'm awesome. How I, are- I'm more, I was worried because I felt you were starting with very low energy, which is really not the House of Carbs way. <laughs> um, but now I see you were just building, just yeah. building to this moment. So thank you for, for that. I'm thrilled to be back. It is not hard at all to muster the enthusiasm <laughs> and energy for food news. Food news, this yeah. Is, and this is our first one of 2020, and we deliberately saved all kinds of stuff over the the you know the holidays December so these are some good stories. They are some good stories. I'm excited to talk about them. Also, it's great timing because one just broke today. I feel really emotional about this one, and and I just want to get right into it. So you're going to have to educate because yeah. I'm I'm familiar with this topic, but it's I haven't lived it. Here's the story. There is a famous grocery store in the New York State called Fairway, and it started on the Upper West Side on 74th and Broadway, might even be 73rd, and then it expanded. And it's like there's one in Red Hook in Brooklyn, there's one on the Upper East Side, there's one on 125th near Columbia, um, I think there's one on Long Island, and— Is it mostly a city grocer, or is yeah, it— Yeah, uh, well, it's like big. Okay. It has a lot of, like, its own unique products, and, like, when I was a kid, the thing that was, like, so— great about it was a lot of like the produce was really good and my best friend Rachel always had she lived right near it she always had um pomegranate seeds like in her fridge like from fairway like you could buy them by like the pint they've already decanted them out of the pomegranate for you saving you so much work way ahead of the curve way ahead of the curve I mean the rest of the country is finally caught up on pomegranate yeah totally like she always had it in her house as a snack and it just was like a real like neighborhood touchstone. It's a New York touchstone in general. It's like grocery stores in New York kind of suck. There also aren't that many of them. Right. And so this was like one of the major ones. And it's just like, um, I grew up on the Upper West Side. I still spend a lot of time there. It's like such a part of the fabric of the neighborhood. It's like just synonymous with the Upper West Side. And then it did spread. So people all over New York feel some way about Fairway. They also have like great prepared foods. They have great coffee. They grind the coffee beans for you there. Oh. I think one thing that like New York does that a lot of a lot of other grocery stores don't do with as much gusto is grind coffee beans for you. But like I love the Brooklyn Java. This is a really important store. And then page six or the the New York Post reported this morning, uh, January 22nd, 
that they were going to close all their stores and file for bankruptcy, Chapter 11. Oh, no. But then it was immediately refuted by Fairway, and they said, no, that's not true. Oh. But this is what happened to Dean and DeLuca, which I also fucking loved, another yeah. New York institution, which is overexpanded similarly, and now is gone. And I'm really worried about Fairway. Really well, worried. Dean and DeLuca didn't move with the times. There were Dean and DeLucas in Washington, D.C., that I also liked. And they were ahead of the curve for a minute, and then they fell behind the curve. They kind of stayed the same. What about, like, like what you're describing in terms of Fairway's offering, that's important neighborhood food. You yes. know what I mean? It was like, for, it's, it's food for people who live in neighborhoods that, you know. Yes. Also, it was open 24 hours, I believe. Um, and they just had, like, they had, you know, produce on the street. It's just like, it's like this definition of the Upper West Side. Like, I, it's like so a part of the essence of the neighborhood, which I feel to be a part of my own personal essence that I have a hard time defining it because it's like a given, you know? Yeah. And so it would be like if like the like one of the defining landmarks of your childhood was just like gone. And right. it, it's not just me. It's like so many people. And because of the way they expanded, like people all over New York. And I'm just, I'm very shook by this story and I'm very worried. So there's going to be upsetment th through the balance of the week now. Yeah. In in New York. Yes. Also, like they started Fresh Direct, I think, but then they had a split between Fairway and Fresh Direct. They're just a giant in the grocery space of New York City, an yeah. absolute towering giant. So for it to close would be a really big deal. We need to see. So the the more detail will will come out yes. about whatever it is that they're encountering. They've denied it, um, and then like people on like, Twitter were reporting that like no one who worked in the stores had any information about it. So there's not a lot in, of info out there, but it's a bad rumor to be out there and like I'm just worried about what what's going to come next. I also don't think that you know if you're going to shut down a grocery store you ramp it down over time because you have all of that inventory. Now maybe it doesn't take very long to get rid of uh, of groceries the stuff on your shelves but like if if you're going to file for bankruptcy why let all that stuff go to waste like just go ahead and keep the store open and sell it and have it be kind of an orderly you know liquidation if, if that's what's going to end up being the case. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, we'll have to see, but this is a developing story. I was excited. When I saw it this morning, I was sad, but then looking forward to discussing it on Food News. Can't wait. Well, we're, we're going to root for, for a good outcome. If, if there's enough people, I mean, New York can make it happen. If New York rallies, whatever the economic, unless somebody's stealing money, at Fairway, but if New York, you know, we've seen it. New York, sure. New York strong. It made me miss Nora Ephron. She would tackle this really well in a movie like You've Got Mail. <laughs> she would. So we're going to have hash, hashtag Fairway Market Strong? Yeah, Is that what's exactly. Coming? All right. Exactly. All right, House, less personal food news to get to. Let's jump into some some fun stuff that's been going on the last couple months. Thanks to Steve, the producer of this podcast, for putting these stories together. Yes, yeah, Stevie from Chicago is the new <laughs> producer. He He's given me permission to call him that. On that note, let's get into some more food news. <laughs> this is a good one from XXL Magazine, January 14th. Snoop Dogg is getting his own Dunkin' sandwich called the Beyond D-O-double-G. <laughs> I just want to note, I love Dunkin' Donuts. Have you ever had one of their burrito bowls? The breakfast burrito no, bowls? No, it's, it's an innovation of the last, like, year or so. Delicious. Okay, Simmons and I talked about They're it. They're really good. Yeah, he, it's delicious. I've gone out of my way to get one. Wow. Like, I've walked to Dunkin' Donuts to get one. So the two, at the at the time that I became familiar with them, there was a meat-based one and a veg, veggie-based yes. one. Which one is your preference? I like the veggie one. It's a little spicy. But okay. It's, it's a really good way to have eggs and veggies in the morning. It's yeah. like a pretty... It's like definitely the healthiest thing they have at Dunkin' Donuts. Wow. I, I can I can say pretty confidently. Okay. Also love Dunkin' Donuts, the dark roast. Yeah, yeah. That's my go-to. Dunkin' dark roast coffee is 
so underrated. Like, I know America runs on Dunkin'. I feel like that wave has kind of crested. But the dark roast is, like, worth seeking out. Dark roast iced yes. is spectacular. And I have dark roast at my house. I brew it at home. It's not as good as getting it at the store, though. I know. And, you know, one thing is because it's not, like, the default coffee. They often brew it fresh for you when you order it. So yeah, it's, it's a great call. It's really good. It's great really call. recommended. So here's the deal with Snoop Dogg sandwich. The new sandwich consists of a Beyond Breakfast Sausage Patty, which is a meat substitute from the L.A.-based meat substitute producer, with egg and cheese while served on a sliced glazed donut. Uncle Snoop hit up his Instagram timeline to flash off the savory limit-time menu hack. He said... When I got the chance to work at Dunkin' for the Beyond Sausage Sandwich launch, I got to thinking about what my other Beyond Meat sandwiches we could create. Being around my favorite glazed donuts got me inspired, so today we are dropping the Beyond D-O-double-G sandwich at restaurant at Dunkin' Restaurants nationwide. They also are going to have exclusive pop-up merch. The Beyond Collection by Dunkin' and Snoop is set to feature limited edition apparel, like a green tracksuit inspired by Snoop's fit in the new Dunkin' commercial. They'll offer joggers, bomber jackets, sweatshirts, t-shirts, and a beanie. The store's drop date has not yet been announced. I was going to say, I'd like to get some of that apparel. I'm going to seek it out. Uh, that's So the, <laughs> the first thing that you're interested in is not the sandwich, but the apparel. Okay, so here's the problem with the sandwich. I could, I'm willing to try all of these plant-based meat substitutes. Yeah. I'm intrigued by all of them. I yes. think fundamentally it's a good idea. Obviously, David Chang has covered this quite a bit. Glazed donut with a sausage patty? Nah. Yeah, right. You have to be— I, I'd like a biscuit. Thanks a lot. I think it's for the youth. It may not be—not that you're not the youth. I am not the youth. I'm not the youth anymore either. I may have been one time. I will eat this— and uh, I will like it and I'll respect its novelty, but it will not become a go-to for me. I will appreciate the novelty of it. The sweet and savory is not my number one flavor profile. Like, I don't even really go out of my way for sweet and sour items when you're in the, the Asian palate sure. or Polynesian. Like, sure. I, that's not my heavy interest. Um, but what I am interested in is it's a Beyond Meat sausage patty. Yeah. Okay, so I want to try that. Can yeah. I also, can I get on a biscuit though? Well, it seems like you. This is you. You beat me to it. Like you ought to be able to get the patty and the cheese, and they have bagel kind of um, items. It's, they're not like great bagels, but there are other bread stuffs there. Maybe you could just one of my resolutions is no bagels outside of New York going forward. That's a great resolution, and I want to come back to that in one second. In in less than one second. But what if you took the meat and cheese and put it in your veggie bowl? Oh, interesting. That I sounds mean, good. I mean, and then it, yeah. it, it, it's still veggie. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, definitely. I, I'd like to try that. That's, I'm going to see. Maybe they could do it special for you. One of the things about Dunkin', though, is it's like fast food. It's not called fast food, but it is. Oh, you could order both things. Yeah. Because lots of times I'm in Dunkin's where the, there's line and it's, it's, it's frenzied, <laughs> you know, stuff's happening. I'll have one of the Snoop Dogg and I'll have one of the veggie bowl. And then you can do your own hack. That sounds great. I think that's not, that might be a play. I do want to talk about um, the Beyond Meat sausage patty because just a little bit of House of Carbs program foreshadowing Spike Mendelson mm. from Top Chef on next week has a new fast casual restaurant in the D.C. area called Plant Burger, P-L-N-T Burger, where they're using Beyond Meat 
beef patties, you know, I also want to talk about the fact that we've been doing a little brainstorming here at Ringer headquarters in Los Angeles, California, Juliet. We sure have. And we're talking a little bit about maybe doing a little mini series of, 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 you know, trying out a a couple like competition style things, uh, including some fast food competitions. And and one of those subcategories could be taste testing the various entrants in, is it, is it, it's not disparaging to call it fake meat, is it? No, it's fake meat. So we're going to do fake meat uh, taste Canal Street test. meat. Just kidding. That sounds worse. <laughs> uh, we're going to do a fake meat uh, taste test uh, uh, as part of this uh, series that we have coming up. So we're very excited for that. Um, yeah, that sounds, that sounds fantastic. But let's talk about you and bagels from New York. Uh, I live in California from New York. I love bagels. Bagels one of my favorite foods in the world. Incredible. I've never had a bagel outside of the city of New York and been like, this was really good, really worth it. I'm going to order this again. It's always like good. I love cream cheese. But like there's just no great, great bagels, nor is like they're the full bagel experience outside of New York. And so it's a really high caloric food that gives you very little nutritional value other than like just straight up calories, which you do need. And so I'm not having them outside of New York. Oh, okay. So it's both. It's, it's like a letdown, and it's just like not worth it. Like yeah. Wexlers, there's there's Wexlers are good here in LA. Okay, but they're not great. They're good. They're very good, but they're not great. Well, I love the challenge that you're setting up here because uh, the first show we did, House Cards episode of 2020, was with a DC homie, self proclaimed king of carbs in DC. He opened a bagel shop called Call Your Mother. This is Andrew Dana. I'm talking right. about. And Call Your Mother made it on a bunch of, like, national lists. Like, they made the the Eater list. They made a, a, a Bon Appetit list. And it's the combination of some innovation with the ingredients that go in. And they have cool names. And, you know, they they are doing some really interesting mashups of, of flavor profiles and textures and stuff of the contents that go inside the bagel. But the bagels are also excellent. They took... 18 months to two years to find a recipe. They went to New York and they went to New York again and they went to New York again. They went to Montreal and they went to Montreal again. Myland bagels suck. What do? Myland bagels in Montreal. Oh, oh the, okay. Sure, sure. Not good. Well, it's like, that's maybe, it's those, It's that classic is deep dish pizza. Yeah, it's uh, just different. It's different. That's it's right. Different. It's, it's different. But like part of the New York bagel experience is also like having whitefish salad yes. and having salmon salad yes. and like then having like your not... Having like the store's cream cheese, not the one that you get from Philadelphia. You know, it's just, it's a different experience. It is a regional food. And it's why I call your mother. I want, you, I gotta try it. You make it to DC like once a year. So this, yeah, I want maybe even more. My two of my best friends live there. Yeah. So, so on the next trip, call, call your, your mother. mother. Okay. Is on the itinerary. Okay. I n- noted. Yes. Noted. But yeah, I, I, I'm just sort of like, I'm, I'm done here. Yeah. Here being with eating bagels in California. Okay. That's, I, I totally respect And I it. go to New York enough that I get my fix. And honestly, I shouldn't be having a bagel that often anyway. It's like so bad for you. Nutritional value, very, very low. They really hit a lot of pleasure points though. Oh, do they ever. Also, <laughs> I fucking love scallion cream cheese. It's like one of the best things in the world. Whipped scallion cream cheese is just mm, delicious. I, I feel like scallions are underrated. This will be a thing for another day. Because the scallion parsley hummus that I get from this particular Ooh. purveyor Ooh. in in the DC area is my absolute number one 
fucking favorite right Scallions now. Scallions are really, really good. And and they flavor things really well. They, That's they, it. It goes with dairy very, very well. They pack a punch. Yes. It's a very flavorful uh, bite anytime you get, you know, and it can be, you can get a, go hard on the crunch or you can just take on kind of the, the atmospherics that they present. Yeah. It, it really is a nice informing flavor. Yeah, I totally agree. Also, another favorite food of mine, scallion pancakes. Oh, well, that like, yeah, when you go to Korean or, or Chinese food. Chinese food, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, love yeah. a scallion pancake. As Jeff Chow and I say, a scally pal. Just absolutely love that. Scally pal. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Why not? I just, scallions. I'm, I'm in for 2020. California bagels, I'm out for 2020. Well, we started with Snoop Dogg and, and the sandwich of Dunkin' Donuts. Um, I've, I've led us down this weird path. It's a good path, though. We've covered a lot of important territory. Let's get, let's get back to food news, shall we? Let's do it. From. Alt Radio 103.7 in Detroit, and this is Cheetos officially named the cheesy dust left behind on fingers. Cheeto fingers will now be known as a Cheetle. Anyone who has enjoyed Cheetos has experienced the annoyingly sticky cheesy dust that coats the iconic snack getting stuck to their fingertips. While this inconvenient phenomenon has always come with eating Cheetos, many could never identify what they're called to call their cheesy fingers. Now Cheetos has officially named this aspect of their famous snack. And from now on, Cheeto fingers will be known as Cheetle. And if you're wondering how they made this name, according to a Frito-Lay press release, Cheetle is described as that orange and red dust symbolic of true Cheetos fandom. To coincide with the new term, Cheetos is releasing a new product that will be covered in Cheetle. I mean, isn't it already covered in Cheetle? <laughs> Cheetle-covered popcorn will be made by Cheetos for the first time and will come with both cheddar and flaming hot flavors. So... This is a brand attempt yes. to own a social media phenomenon. And instead of making it better and fun and going along with what's already out there, which was the hashtag Cheeto Fingers, they've made it significantly worse and significantly less fun. That's... <laughs> you you were had that take ready. You were ready with that. I happen to agree with everything that you just said. It didn't need a name. It was the yeah. cheese on the fingers. And who said that it's, who calls it annoying? Who says that it's a bad thing? Who says it's inconvenient? It's part of the experience of eating effing Cheetos. I know. And it's great in the same way that I like to get Doritos dust on my fingers and have to deal with that also. There are many terrific applications of that residue, especially if you're eating Cheetos while eating a sandwich, which is 90% of the time for me. So you wouldn't just go home and, like, have Cheetos waiting for you? I would, and I do. <laughs> there is a bag of Cheetos in my pantry right now. And when I get home from California tonight at 1 in the morning, those Cheetos might and I might ha uh, uh, have a relationship. But <laughs> I really like the acute, sharp salt while I'm eating a sandwich that, that has, like, milder flavors, like a turkey and avocado and Swiss with, like, a spicy kind of uh, mustard and Cheetos along for that ride, that's that's a that's a dreamy lunch for me. That sounds pretty good. I, I think if we're going with like the the chip residue, my favorite is probably sour cream and onion Pringles. Does it really get on your fingers though? Because Pringles to me don't give no, off a ton. Sour cream and onion does. Does it do that? Yeah. Okay. It's it's a it, it it's a clear indication of the fact that I haven't had sour cream and onion Pringles in recent I'm just, memory. I'm just not really a Cheeto fan. What are the crispy ones called? There's Cheetos and the ones that are smaller, they're less puffy. They also come in flaming hot. Cheetos puffs. Yes. Cheetos puffs. They're called Cheetos puffs. Got it. So you're talking the smaller, crunchy ones. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, those are the ones they they give that sharp. They're a great crunch. Yeah, they. Are. I mean, they're they are both great. Yeah. I love Cheetos. It's just not my favorite. Like I'm just more of like a chip type. Sure, I get that. 
They're not my favorite either, um, but I, I hold them in very high regard. And, and Cheetos popcorn, by the way, good fucking idea. Definitely. I mean, you know. Who it, says no to that? Right. It's 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 like kind of out there already. Like, uh, you know, cheddar popcorn. People have been sprinkling all kinds of interesting ingredients on popcorn for a while. Cheetos stepping in with their own entrance. Sure. I will eat that. But skip the stupid name. I agree. On the topic of words that start with ch, let's talk about this article from Atlas Obscura about a $209 a pound hunk of cheddar cheese. It's a 500 pounds of 20-year-old cheddar for sale. Most of the cheddar you've eaten was sold in the first few months after it was produced. Some sharper varieties may have aged a year or so. On the market now, however, is one nearly old enough to buy you a drink at the bar. One Wisconsin cheesemaker's 20-year-old aged cheddar is now available for online presale. Cheese aging pioneer Tony Hook says cheddar hits peak acidity at three to five years. After that, it starts smoothing out like a fine wine. He and his wife, Julie, are the intrepid cheesemakers behind the Rare Batch and owners of Hook's Cheese Company. It's not exactly their first time doing this. A 450-pound batch of a 20-year-old cheddar that hit the market in 2015 sold out within days. It cost $209 a pound, as will the new one. $200 a pound times 500 pounds. It's a lot of money. Congrats. Well, but every 20 years, I mean, you have to wait 20 years <laughs> to sell. A long time. A lot of long time point. for the payoff. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess good for you guys. I like, listen, cheese is wonderful. I love different kinds of cheese. I love artisanal cheese. I, I have a real fondness for cheddar of all different kinds. So this is exciting. I feel like I've never truly like really dove into the Wisconsin cheese scene enough. Maybe I should do like a, a cheese trip to Wisconsin. It doesn't necessarily have to be Wisconsin. You've been to France and, and done some eating in France before. Did you do the cheese? Did you do any cheese uh, focused pursuits while there? Or is not it just like along for the ride? Not specifically, but I did go to like a few like fromageries and like ask for recommendations and then bought like a, and then I also did that. Yeah. The South of France actually did, did do that. So I guess I kind of did. I mean, is there anything better than just like sitting down with like taking a beautiful view somewhere in France with a hunk of cheese and a, and a baguette? Well, I'll just say, I love this time of the year that we're in right now. This like sort of from Thanksgiving up to like, let's say March. Is it cheese season? It's cheese season. To me, it is because you know, a lot of times because of the cycle, you know, where where you are in uh, in the first place celebrating between Thanksgiving and New Year's, lots of times a cheese board comes out, you know, you put out an array of cheeses, some some meats perhaps, and it's, it's a really nice thing for guests. Uh, but also just like something about shorter days, the cold weather, the comfort effect, the calming effect of of a cheese board, and and you know a few different flavors of cheeses. I'm in my cheese buying phase right now. Oh, interesting. What do what are you, what are you experimenting with? I love a hard cheese like a manchego, a yeah, hard sure. you know uh, uh, like parmigiani kind of vibe. Um, I have to say, I just like to eat shredded Parmesan straight. Like if I'm like cooking with it, sure, and I'm like waiting for my thing to finish, I might just throw some in my mouth. It's just yeah, delicious. Why not? I mean, yeah. it's, it's 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 salty. It really does liven up the the palate. It gets the taste buds going. I like soft cheeses. I mean, I'm not a cheese. This is a, a nice topic for House of Carbs. I wonder is uh, t- Tony what's his last name Hook? Yes. Where does he live in, in Wisconsin? Wisconsin? You can get him on the phone. I feel like we, he should come on. We could talk. I, I I'd love a cheese um, instruction. I love the, a, a deep dive. Like give me you know cheese is a good mini season for you too. Just oh. a few different episodes about cheese. Well, there's a guy. Names. There's a famous restaurant um, in the suburbs of Virginia, outside Washington D.C., called the Inn at Little Washington. 
and the chef there um is uh he's he's really they have three michelin stars they were awarded three michelin stars in 2018 they have one of their claims to fame there's many things to to uh to claim well no but they they i mean there's a lot of reasons to go try this place and to go eat there and to stay there and in fact part of the synergy here is spike mendelson worked with a production team and the folks, um, Patrick O'Connell at the Inn of Little Washington. And there's a, a documentary that's coming out on PBS that, that folks will be able to watch about the. But that's not why I'm telling the story. One of the things that is unbelievable in the experience at the Inn of Little Washington is they have a cheese cart. Oh. And it's a cart that's, that's fashioned with um, the head of a cow on the front of it. And it moves as, as, it, as the person driving it around, um, navigates through the, the restaurant. And this guy, you know, he's not the... The cheesemonger? He's not the sommelier. He's a cheesemonger. Okay. <laughs> if I was going to call him the fromager. But this, he's, this place looks amazing. I'm Googling as you discussed. Like, in should a little I, Washington. Should I, yeah. Should I just go? Like, it's, uh, it's, it, in, it's in Washington, Virginia, which yes. is funny. If somebody else is paying, yes, you should <laughs> go. <laughs> it if looks you can beautiful. Get Bill Simmons. I mean, you can do like a whole Virginia countryside, you know, uh, like wine tour. Well, deal. my friend Rembert Brown got married in uh, near Leesburg. Basically. This is a great call. This place is not that far from Leesburg and I not that far up. from where, gone. well, again, somebody else would have had, should have been paying because it's not it's inexpensive. Cheap. Yeah, it's not cheap. It's 518 for this coming weekend for one night. For that's one, a lot. And then that's just gets you the room. The dinner doesn't get you the cheese. When you sit down and have dinner, you're, it's going to be several, it's going to be like that. Where do you stand on pub cheese? I love it. I love pub cheese, I love too. It. <laughs> I absolutely love it. I think it's spectacular. It's a real Northeast thing to me, Ritz pub cheese. crackers, pretzels. I'll spread it on anything. Just, you know, taking bites off the small little, I'll eat it. Trader solo. Joe's sells pub cheese. It's very hard for you to not buy it yeah. every time. When I'm I, in. When I was a kid, we used to go to um, this restaurant in Cape Cod for Thanksgiving called the Whitman House That's that had pub cheese on the table. So I associate it with like the state of Massachusetts and like being cold it's and so like great. just looking at these pictures of the inn at little Washington, I could imagine them having pub cheese. Although perhaps it's not refined enough for the, no, inn no, they, they, they'll, they'll go high and low. They want you to have an unbelievable experience, but I do think there is a cheese series here. Cause I, if I could get that guy that drives the cheese cart around to come on house of carbs, the mar- oh, the, the eating public was, is going to love, love this guy. Um, and we really should, we kind of owe it to the hungry homies to give up something about, about cheese because everybody loves cheese. Yeah. Who doesn't love cheese? I, agreed. Okay. I think we just hit on something here, House. Nice. <laughs> All right. Next on our food news odyssey. The Mediterranean diet is named the best diet for 2020 and keto remains one of the worst. This comes from Insider and I there's a lot to dig into here. But here's, here's the overarching idea. Mediterranean diet, rich in healthy fats, fish, whole grains, and produce, and low in processed foods and red meat was named the overall best diet for 2020 by U.S. News & World Report. This is the third straight year the Mediterranean diet has topped the site's annual list over competitors like keto, veganism, and commercial plans like Weight Watchers and Jenny Craig. The diet was also named the easiest diet to follow and was ranked highly because of its benefits for heart health and di- diabetes prevention. All well and good. There's so many issues with this here. They're like, this doesn't take anything into account for preferences, lifestyle, other things you have going on. Like, it's just like insane. Like, this is the best diet. It doesn't work that way, people. I, I, it's the conceit is stupid and that's what I, it's uh, such clickbait. It's like, and right. here we are talking about it, but it's just like, 
ranking diets, that's kind of like part of the problem with the diet industry is it has nothing to do with like individuals and so much of how you eat is individual based on preference and genetics and how active you are and like just what your lifestyle is like and just so many things. It's so silly. So the the idea here is assembling a group of folks that are knowledgeable about, you know, diet and diets that are likely to work for people. So it's a panel of nutritionists, folks who work with diabetes, heart health, weight loss. I'd like to see their credentials. I'm not doubting that they're credentialed people, but I'd like to know who they are, their walks of life. And then this idea that they are, you know, taking categories of their the categories of nutritional completeness, how easy is the diet to follow. If this is intended to be helpful guidance to people, like it's the beginning of the year, you want to try and change your eating habits a little bit. If you want to like point in one direction, here's a kind of an easy way to get started. And if the idea is that the Mediterranean diet is an easy way to help kind of reprogram some of your eating habits, then I'm I'm behind that. I'm fine with that idea. Like, if, yeah. you know, if this is like going out into the, the general public as like, yeah, it's the beginning it's of It's like 20- the food pyramid. Like here are yes. some general recommendations. That's right. That's right. But like it doesn't hit like portion size and moderation and like things like that. But I guess like the general premise of it is like, okay, good. Basically like low carb, high fat, high protein. But like it just leaves a lot to be desired. Well, the other thing is it's not necessarily affordable. Like right. you have to like build into access to the whole analysis, totally. access, preparation time. There are ways to do elements of what I think of as the Mediterranean diet that are kind of easy to to, to do, but some of it is effing expensive and some of it requires some prep time. Sure. And like some people have less access to fresh produce and like less access to fresh meat and everything. And well, and this, you know, seafood is a, is a prominent part right. of the Mediterranean diet. So like- That's expensive. It, it, it can be like, you yeah. know, like how are you going to have salmon that's not farmed, that's, you know, that's, that's also ecologically uh, practical and, you know, all the, you want to hit all the marks if you're going to try and embark on making yourself and the world better in 2020. I mean, okay, there's some (laughs) guidance. Try some of the Mediterranean things, but, you know, we're not going to be – the ranking is – It's not good. Not good. It leaves a lot to be desired. That's it. Can I hit hit you with one more story? Let's do one more. Okay. This is from the Philly Tribune, phillytrib.com. Americans are drinking more now than when Prohibition was enacted. What's more, it's been rising for two decades, and it's not clear when it will fall again. Wait, what? U.S. drinking more now than before Prohibition, where I guess it was very high. There's more people. Well, House, let me continue with the story. (laughs) The picture that's painted by federal health statistics would show a rise in per-person consumption and increases in emergency room visits, hospitalization, and deaths tied to drinking. The stats aren't all bad. Drinking among teenagers is down, and there are signs that some people are taking alcohol seriously, such as the dry January movement making the rounds on social media. Um, It's not making the rounds on social media. It's a thing that people do to try and, you know, start off the year in a different way, like hitting the reset button. In the late 1910s, just before Congress banned the sale and manufacture of alcoholic beverages, which is wild to think about. Unbelievable. When you, when you, it's like in this. A hundred years ago. Uh, in our year, 2020, it's very strange to think about that. Like, just absolutely insane. 
Anyway, in the 1910s, each American teen and adult was downing just under two gallons of alcohol a year on average. These days, it's about 2.3 gallons, according to federal circulations that work calculations. That works out to nearly 500 drinks, or about nine per week. Historians say drinking was heaviest in the early 1800s, with estimates that in 1830, the average U.S. adult downed the equivalent of seven gallons a year. Hmm... There's a lot of, there's like a lot that's not being accounted for here. Right. Like more people, yes. way different kinds of drinks available, like just a different kind of like bar culture. There's so many things unaccounted for here. It does seem like an effort was made here to do apples to apples comparison. And the consumption is on a per person basis. So that that kind of mitigates the, you know, there's more people now thing. But the generational difference is, like, there's a lot of ways to get messed up now that don't require alcohol. Yeah. Right? Many more. A lot more options. In California, weed's legal, as it is in several other states. So there's that. Yes. And I just think people's relationship to substances is different. It's much more casual. Like, in the 1910s, there wasn't, like, the kind of young person's social culture of like going out for dinner and drinks very often. You know, it's just like a different, it's just different. Doesn't account for the evolution of society. So like, I feel like it's trying to like shame society and feel like they're drinking too much, but really it's just a different time. That's right. I mean, I guess kind of a curiosity to try and and, and uh, attempt this apples to apples comparison. But like we have so many more options to intoxicate ourselves now. And you you made the great point, like, you know, I I, I wonder what it is that uh, is the, like, leading um, alcohol item for this, you know, in terms of volume. Because a lot of people drink Beer? vodka, Why? but that's how do you get to, like, two point whatever gallons of alcohol consumed over, you know, some period of time. I don't know. It's kind of, it's, it's kind of wacky. I agree. I totally agree. It yeah. says that, that in 1934, a year after prohibition was repealed, the per capita consumption was under one gallon, except for that would be like based on statistics. I'm right. Just, I like, is this like sensationalism? I I don't like it. I, let's end on a more positive note. I've got <laughs> Sorry, one. I grabbed that one. No. <laughs> no, we like no, we like. I'm glad. Yeah, it gives us, we, we like stories we like that we question. don't like. Yeah. That's exactly right. We want to question it. But let's end on a positive house and something exciting. Snickers made a 4,728-pound candy bar. I fucking love Snickers. We have some in the office all the time. Oh, my God. This is really exciting. At the company's Waco, Texas plant, a team proudly unveiled a Snickers bar weighing in at more than two tons, more than 4,000 pounds of creamy, crunchy, and sweet deliciousness all in one massive candy bar. The team from Guinness World Records was on hand on January 16th to proclaim that at 4,728 pounds, this was the largest ever chocolate nut bar. I like how they say like chocolate nut bar because now I'm going to have to go and look up if this is the largest chocolate bar. Oh, that's a great point. Oh, no there, there are categories. Yes, you exactly. Know, this is a, clearly a, a vertical, uh, you know, the chocolate nut vertical that they've they've conquered. But right, who knows? It's, I bet there's been a bigger Hershey bar out there. Maybe. Who owns Snickers? Uh, Mars. Oh, yeah, right, right, so it's, right. It's a big competition between oh, Mars and Hershey. Wow. Okay. Hershey, what, we dare you. What's Hershey's nut bar, not chocolate nut bar entrant? Um, Mr. Goodbar? I'm going to look it up. Hold I think on, it's man. Mr. Goodbar. Oh, you're right. It's Mr. Goodbar. Okay. Because the Hershey's family, the other kind of bag is 
Hershey's, Mr. Good Bar, and Crackle. It's not nearly as good as the Three Musketeers, Milky Way, Snickers, Twix bag. I like it when they sneak a special dark in there also. Oh, my God. The Milky Way Midnight is an absolute waste to me. No, I'm talking about Hershey's. Hershey's will sneak a a special dark into their bag. I the Milky Way uh what, what midnight, is, midnight dark, dark yeah chocolate. but that's just you know that's a novelty that's Fuck not that there's like a lot of them in the Mars bag though which I know because I go to Rite Aid and buy them all the time and keep in the office you know what's I, a, a move I recommend on this topic tell me there's a new cookies and cream Twix Ooh. have you have you had no it? I haven't they come in like the little mini size I like to keep them in my freezer and just have like one at the end of the day oh how good is that just a little, little hit of chocolate I'm a long 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 time devotee of the frozen Twix oh absolutely yeah it's a must um, I want to talk about the Snickers does the story say how they how people are going to eat it is it edible I think it is edible yes however I believe it is really just for show um <laughs> however uh you can't, they can't preserve it, can they? Like, you can't spray it with something and have it sit up. What is it, like, just sitting on? What's it disp- how's it displayed? On it's on a giant table. On a giant? That has wheels on it. And I will just say, get excited, because the brand said, according to Snickers representatives, the world record chocolate nut bar is a, quote, small version of something even bigger the brand has planned for Super Bowl 49. Oh, I see. So this is one of those Super Bowl plays. Yeah. Okay. I support. Fine. Great. I'm in. Yeah. All kinds Can't of wait. great food hacks have come about because people want to get their stuff in, in front of the Super Bowl, uh, in the Super Bowl commercials. I'm looking forward to the Super Bowl commercials. I uh, uh, Candidly, I'm excited to see what the uh, presidential candidates do with their, with their funds for this. Wow. I'm curious to see how wow. that goes. Good point. But I'm excited for all the commercials, of course. Me too. The commercials are terrific, and the food hacks are really great. Like, there's some great innovation uh, coming from the food industry. The beer folks have some good things coming up. What's your go-to Super Bowl meal? Wings have to be involved. They have to, absolutely. The wings are, are, are a must. I um, will go back and forth between sandwich and pizza. Um, and I appreciate the innovation. You know, folks like, you know, uh, the Momofuku in Washington, D.C. right now is already advertising a giant pork solder that you can do in the Psalm, the Psalm style oh, cool. with lettuce wraps. That's cool. And that's, that's, a, like, that's a very fun group kind of thing. You know, a giant um, shoulder. You can go shred the meat yourself. It's, that's a, I like that kind of vibe, too. I was going to ask you, is the Super Bowl a, a solo affair for you or is it a group activity? Group, 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 group. Your team's never in the in the Super Bowl, so. That's an unnecessary, unnecessary shot at the at the, at the the Deadskins. Just just being honest. I man. would like to say, though, last year was a Popeye's Super Bowl. Oh, delicious. Yeah, like six boxes of Popeye's. Absolutely delicious. It was, it was, it was really good. I have no recollection of my 2019 Super Bowl, literally none. So, well, it was a forgettable Super Bowl, 13 to three. Nobody wants to remember that. And the, the Patriots, Patriots yeah, lo- everybody it was losers. An all-time, an all time, well, but this now year they are now they're real losers. <laughs> and this year it's very exciting. So maybe there'll be some exciting food. What are you going to have for the Super Bowl? Do you have a menu? I don't. I'm going to be in New York. I'm feeling like it's going to be a chilly evening. Okay. Like chilly for food, perhaps chilly weather, but really chilly Ooh. food. Ooh, I like it. Yeah. Or maybe I should have a bagel because I'll be there. Or a nice cheese board. Ah, <sighs> sounds great. Can I have a nice cheese board? Juliet, we did it. Thanks. Thank, thank you so much for having me. What a great kickoff to, to food news in 2020. All right, my hungry homies, there we go. We're off to an unbelievable start here in 2020. What a food news. 
Next week on the show, as discussed by Juliet and I, Spike Mendelson, you know him from Top Chef. He has a restaurant empire in the Washington, D.C. area, and he has a brand new place called Plant Burger, P-L-N-T, that we have a nice discussion about. He also has this cool restaurant in this unbelievable complex called the St. James in Springfield, Virginia. Spike and I chop it up just the way you would expect. Come back next week, my hungry homies. Check out me and Spike. Until then, let's stay hungry out there. <laughs>